Welcome back, everyone. If you have headed back this way again, you are in violation of jaywalking because you have entered into Jubilee Street, a music podcast. I am your host, Jake Curtis, joined here by our other host, sometimes known as a co-host, Ian McCurtis. And we're excited to bring you another super spectacular holiday special brought to you by Jubilee Street Podcast. We're going to be talking about something very, very dear to our hearts. Oh, who's that? Santa? Oh, shit, again? Santa's back? Three times. Oh, oh, Three oh. Times oh. Merry Christmas and happy holidays. Trying to keep it secular this, this year. Uh, Ian, for saying that I'm not actually Santa Claus, you'll be getting a lump of coal. And I recently I found out that. that you can find a mold of dicks that you can send people from eatabagofdicks.com. Uh, Why is Santa so vulgar? Hey, Santa, you're cussing a lot. Shouldn't be doing that on live television. Oh, 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 this isn't live. Do you think these guys are that important? I don't know, Santa. I'm just John. I'm just John Lennon. I'm John Lennon, guys. I'm talking about Santa Claus. Santa, John, get out of here. Ringo, Hank Hill, everybody. Ian, bring us home. Bring us back to Earth. Yeah, we gotta we gotta get through this intro. <laughs> this week we're talking about Simple and Clean from Kingdom Hearts and our favorite video game. Um, I'm super stoked for this. Hey, all episode. the guests have left the studio. It's back to being just us. Blue, blue, can you escort? Uh, so blue let's... just escorted him out. Yeah, she got secu- she got security. Buffy showed Thank up. Thank you, blue, for yeah doing doing one thing right. So let's start off this episode with some news. Yes, big news. We are <laughs> experimenting with some new stuff here on Jubilee Street, and we made a Slack channel. I'm sure a lot of you people probably use it for work or whatever. Probably familiar with it, but if not, it's just kind of like a an old school message board, like a little closed social media place where people can talk without having to worry about your family seeing stuff on Facebook or getting targeted right wing news stories. Yeah, and stuff. We like that. talked about it in um, uh, an, like an extra episode that we recorded before this one. Um, we just want to work on kind of like furthering the Jubilevers and expanding our community. And we feel like there's a lot of emails and messages we get from you all that we're like, wow, these people are really cool. I bet they would probably like to talk to each other about, you know, the various like stages of this podcast and like, you know, how we started out kind of Nick Cave adjacent and we sort and, you know, how much we've evolved over time and to what we're doing now. So. Uh, favorite Blixa Bargeld outfits. Yes, exactly. F- favorite Blixa Bargeld uh, eye makeup, eye glitter. Um, the list goes on. So yeah, if, if you if you think it's something you'd want to be a part of, if it sounds fun to you, just uh, email us at jubileestreetpod at gmail.com or message us on Instagram and just let us know. 
and we'll send you an invite and you can join and we'll all hang out on there. It'll be a great time. Um, it's jubileestreetpod.slack.com. I think you have to contact us to get an invitation. Yeah. Though. I'm not sure if you can request that's, one. That's how it works. You have to there. go. I think you have to like just email us. We we'll send, send you, you the invitation. invitation. We'll get you set up. And that's just so we don't, you know, we pick Slack just so you don't get bots on there. You don't get just yeah. any rando, you know, joining. Someone has to contact us. But, you know, anyone can join. It's free, all that. Just don't be a dickhead. None of you guys ever are, so it's not really yeah. a worry. And, so uh, with no, that's that. It. Go ahead. You, you already mentioned it. Uh, with that, this week we are wrapping up our Christmas coverage. And we were thinking to ourselves, like, what... When we were kids, what do you do a lot at Christmas time? Well, it's winter break. A lot of times, Santa comes, uh, like he came earlier on this podcast, and you have a lot of free time. He brings you some video games, and you play a lot of video games at Christmas Santa, break. no, not that kind of come. So, Sorry, Santa got back in somehow. He came back through the when chimney. When I said Santa and come, I was like, that was a bad decision. Santa they talked comes. about backdoor Santa last week. Backdoor like, Santa! Yeah, no, we said enough uh, for that So, one. yeah, this week we said let's talk about our favorite video game music. We've never done that before. And let's talk about Simple and Clean by Utada Hikaru, which I'll go on record. I'll put my reputation as a uh, media personality on the line. Mm-hmm. This is the greatest recorded music ever made. This is the... Uh, episode that's going to come back when we're both running on a ticket for president elect um, where they're going to this is going to be where we won over the nation simple and clean or the original japanese version is the greatest song ever greatest song ever why is it the greatest i song me and ever? jake have been hearing it since we were in middle school and we were geeking out about kingdom hearts together i ended up listening to it like 10 times this week because i was like how the fuck is this song still so good? How am I not sick of it? Mm-hmm. Uh, so where where to start? I guess... We have to talk about where we first heard it. So Kingdom Hearts is a video game that came out just like the perfect age for me and Jake. We were... Uh, man, I can remember buying it, but I can't remember if I was in 6th or 7th grade. Do you remember? I guess it doesn't matter. I think we would have been in 6th grade when it came out. But so sixth grade, I, we didn't meet until seventh grade. And it's a uh, video game where it has like Final Fantasy characters and all the levels are different Disney uh, worlds, like from different Disney movies. And this was before the Marvel movies. This was before like this was kind of the first thing in pop culture where it was like different characters from different universes all coming together. And we have learned that people love that shit. And when we were kids, we loved that shit. You're telling me I can fight with Jack Skellington from Nightmare Before Christmas and then hop on over uh, and turn to a mermaid and swim around with Ariel from the little, and like, then go to Never Everland and fly around Peter Pan? Those are all some game? of the best levels in the game, too. So, yeah, uh, Simple and Clean is by, is the, like the, the theme song of the game. Donald! It's by uh, Sorry. Utada... Hikaru, who, going forward, Jake, I saw that they are non-binary. They came out as non-binary last year, so let's try to not misgender them. I might have already done so. If I do it again, I apologize, but we're trying. And 
So is it just they? We'll we'll refer to them yeah, as just they, they, as they, they. them. Um, and this, I don't know. <laughs> I, I can't remember the first time I heard this song. I remember on Disney Channel they had commercials for Kingdom Hearts, which is what got me yep. hyped for the game. Like I remember begging my mom to like let me go buy it the day it came out, and I'd never paid attention to like what day stuff comes out, but those commercials worked on me. I Man, needed that game on day one. The marketing for that game was so fucking good. It was huge. Like you heard about it everywhere. It, but also, I don't know of another like. I mean, there's been many, I'm sure, but for me as a kid at that time, I remember seeing that commercial on TV before I had before I even owned or had played the game. And I remember getting chills when the music played. And you, all you really see in that commercial, I think, is like the opening cinematic where it's like Sora coming out of the ocean. Hmm. And then you see... Yeah. You, he, uh, Kyrie's up there on the... These are all characters in the game. Um, and just so listeners know from this point on, like... If we'll do our best to kind of keep you in the know here about what we're talking about, but um, this is a this is going to be kind of like our uh, other Christmas episodes. It's going to be a little more free form, and um, so this is going to be more conversational than we would usually do for the more like uh, song or album specific stuff. So bear, just bear with us. Um, but for real, go listen to the song right now and pause. The yeah, pause it. If listen to the it. song. It's so and good. I will say this is an amazing song. It holds up. There's lots of different versions of it. It's it's ubiquitous. Like you you can't it is so connected to Disney and Square Enix now that like it, Kingdom Hearts is its own entity. Like there are toys, there are multiple games, there's mobile phone games for this shit. Like this is a this is a this is a phenomenon. And I wish I could say all the games in the franchise are good. I've only played maybe three or four of them and I've only completed two of them, so um, I think that they mileage may vary, and they released them on all kinds of different platforms that were like, you know. Anyway, that's a whole other wormhole. I remember watching that ad. You see Sora coming out of the water, Kyrie's at the shore, like smiling, and then they look behind him, and it's all eerie. And you see you see stuff falling from the sky, and you see what looks like Sora's body. He's like watching himself fall from the sky into the ocean, and then you see. Another character, Riku, who's standing in front of a tidal wave, who's kind of like telling you to come in. And I just remember watching that. I was 11 and I was like, I don't know what the fuck that is, but I want to play it so badly. And there weren't, I don't remember seeing a lot of commercials for video games as a kid. So I don't either, really. Um, I know they existed because if you look up all the old Nintendo, there's a YouTube channel I really like, um, Video Game Donkey. And he does like funny video game reviews, and uh, sometimes they're serious. Most of the time, they're kind of goofy. Um, he did a video recently called Donkey Kong December, and they play some footage from like old Donkey Kong commercials for the video games. So they do exist, but I don't know where they were played because I don't remember seeing them as a kid. Um, so, what about you, Ian? What's your first? How do you remember first hearing this song? Do you what did you hear it upon the game loading up, or did you uh, see a commercial? Yeah, I guess it. It must have been when the game loaded up. Mm-hmm. This just feels like a song that I've never not known, but I can't remember yeah. 
the first time. I guess I think the song is immediately in the game. Mm-hmm. Like when you start it up, there's like a cutscene, and I think the song's in there. And I think just something about the melody of the song, like you know, it's like one of those pop songs that's orchestrated to hit an emotion. Yeah. And the is. fact that we were kids when this game came out, like I cannot hear the song and not think of being a kid. It is so tied to my childhood in such a strong way. And the lyrics I think are even better for like a 11 to like 14 year old to hear. It's like, you know, simple and clean is the way that you're making me feel tonight. It's hard to let go, you know? Uh, I mean, of it's course I like, love you, but does that mean I have to meet your father? Like there's all this kind of like, I think it's, it's this, the original song's called Hikari in Japan. And I think that maybe some of the lyrics translated directly to English are different than the sentiments that she expressed in the original. But it definitely feels like a song that's like perfectly catered to how like middle schoolers feel. And I remember being 12 and just like liking girls so much that I would get sick and nervous and like I would talk differently around them. And I feel like everything about this game captured that weird sense of nostalgia mixed with like uh, mm-hmm. angst. There's so much angst in the game. Kyrie, you know, What's like they're cool all like so song, emphatic. Well, there's a thousand things that are cool about this song, but one of them is uh, Utaru Hikaru wrote this song, and they were born in America and then moved to Japan, so they know English and Japanese. So they wrote the lyrics in both languages, like translated them themselves. So. I think that's pretty neat. Like even you mentioned Murakami. I can't remember this episode, last episode, you know, he doesn't translate his own book. Someone else does. It's cool that she, or they were able to do their own translation. Uh, yeah, the lyrics just like, uh, they make me, you know, they make you think of unrequited love, like, which always that's Romeo and Juliet. Like you're not allowed to love this person. That's always going to tug at your heartstrings. Uh-huh. I also wonder now with them coming out as non-binary, um, I think they do a lot of like same-sex rights activism. If there wasn't a little bit of like a queer romance going on in this song, like sure, if maybe that was the subtext, like I'm not allowed to love this person. I can't ever meet your father. Like maybe it's because they're gay. Like you know, whatever. There, there's huh. something like underneath this song that makes it. That makes it a song you remember. It's not just like a vapid pop song. Another thing that comes to mind too is I think that I think the song might have been more important to me wanting to play the game than anything else in the promotional material. Like I remember like physically reacting to this music as a kid. Like I I, I had an emotional reaction to it. Like I I and when I think back on it now, it's it's very over like it's it's almost emotionally like too much for me to think about it sometimes because it's like I was viscerally affected just by the sound of this woman's voice and the song. Dude, this game is really like I was thinking about it. this game is like for our generation. It's like our Star Wars. Like how people who grew up in the 80s talk about Star Wars. That's how I feel about Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom I can't think Hearts. Of I can't think of another song that's more tied to a game. Maybe like the Mario song, like dun 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 dun. 
that. Yeah, but we're talking about like, like an artist that was tapped by the game designer Tetsuya Nomura or Nomura, like specifically. He was like, I had her in mind when I was designing the game for her to do the theme song. Like, like the theme of her music, voice, message delivery image all of that shit was just as much a part of the game experience as everything else in it you know and i mean i don't know it's just like also it's it's almost fucked up how targeted like you get this generation of kids who just get like like let's just go ahead and say i think the playstation 2 probably was the best console ever for games I don't think we've had a better console as far as like games that are like memorable to me, except for the Nintendo 64 and some GameCube titles. And this game came out at like a perfect time where like video games were changing. And like this song, like it it, it, it almost elevated the game at the time, but also like you take a, you, to, to a kid like me who was playing role playing like Final Fantasy games at the time this game came out. You give him that Japanese RPG aesthetic with Disney characters. That's like a mind fuck. Like, how is this even fucking possible? I have to play this. You know what I mean? I've never like I, I, I and up until then, the only time I think I've ever experienced that was when they put Sonic in a Mario game, and that wasn't even the same at the same level. Yeah, and I don't think either of us were like particularly Disney kids. It was just we grew up with it, though. I mean, you can't say you didn't we have grew Disney up with it, but VHS I, tapes everywhere. No, sure, but we weren't like uh, obsessed with Disney. It wasn't like mm-hmm. it was just like the fact that it was so many different things that you grew up with all in the same place together. But that's what's so uncanny kind of, about it is it's like it 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 was specifically like any kid would like something like if you really liked the yeah. Tarzan movie there's a Tarzan level or that's Winnie one the of the Pooh most fun or Nightmare before christmas like Every, and, everyone and likes a couple disney movies the nightmare before christmas one was definitely for me like i was like i want to fucking go there i want to explore that town i and and you got to do that because there was and that's what i'm saying there's something for everybody in this game like if you love aladdin you get to explore agrabah you, you get to see Mickey Mouse holding a golden like sword shaped like a key in a black cloak. And he's like, Sora, we got to go and remember, save the world. <laughs> I remember like I could close my eyes and walk through Traverse Town and like walk through the levels in this game. I remember them better than like I remember houses I've lived in. I listened to the soundtrack last night. Great soundtrack. Uh, how do you feel about Sanctuary, the song just that as, just, they did for... Not as iconic, but just as good. It's really fucking good, too. Mm-hmm. And then you you still... You never played Kingdom Hearts 3, I'm pretty sure, but... Have not played it. So they also did the thing for Kingdom Hearts 3 with Skrillex, and the song sucks. I don't know. You Did you listen to it? In I saw when I was looking them up online, I saw Skrillex associated with Utada or Utada. Um, and I was like, that's weird. Maybe they're like, they collabed on something separately. I didn't know it was the Kingdom Hearts 3, but honestly... The Kingdom Hearts 3 theme. Ha- happy for Skrillex that he got to be a part of it, but fuck that. <laughs> yeah, that's very like... 
There were a lot of people who probably liked it. Like there are people who fucking love. There are people who fucking love Skrillex. Yeah, but it was a little like out of touch, which I think yeah. was kind of Kingdom Hearts three in general because that song came out or that game came out in like twenty seventeen. That wasn't the height of you know Skrillex had already kind of waned in his popularity. Well, arguably, but. Kingdom Hearts two waited and was delayed the exact amount of time it should that it was still impactful when it came out um but i know that i've already said that it's a little bit this podcast going to be more freeform but like kingdom hearts 2 quality wise is a great as a standalone game it's awesome there's some really good impactful like story moments it's way cooler looking but it's not a better game than kingdom hearts 1 and there's never been a better Kingdom Hearts game in the series, in my opinion. And I've watched like playthroughs of them. I haven't played them all, so I know my opinion doesn't count. I don't plan to, though. And Kingdom Hearts 2 is a very special feeling that the, ga- the other games could not latch on to because they knew how much fucking money... I mean, they knew how much fucking money was in it. So they were like, let's jam the Pride Lands in here. Let's like let's redo some levels. Mm-hmm. We got to do Pirates of the Caribbean, which are all super fun mm-hmm. levels. None of it was Kingdom Hearts 2 is a good game. But I think what I'm getting at is that like people fucking wanted a Kingdom Hearts 2 so bad after the first one because they leave it on that cliffhanger and then all that there's that like secret ending you can get where they're like in that like Keyblade Canyon where there's all these keyblades and like there's three characters that show up and then a bald guy and they fight and it's like this epic like Star Wars thing and you're like oh fuck I got it what's gonna happen in two what's gonna happen in two so you know 2003 rolls by 2004 rolls by you know Nomura's like we got a new Kingdom Hearts on the way we're working on it 2005 rolls by 2006 and then we hit 2007 and the game finally comes out I think it's 2007 2008 I remember being a sophomore in high school so I think it was 2007 you know, instantly downloaded the soundtrack to my iPod. I had, I had gotten an iPod for Christmas the year before. Had the whole Kingdom Hearts 2 soundtrack. I had the Japanese version of Sanctuary, which I think is called Passion. Um, yes. And loved it. I mean, so a little bit off topic there, but I do think that like... Um, here, bring me back to Earth. I lost the, the first question you were on. Are you t- are you telling me you rambled? <laughs> I rambled. I think it. I think in twenty twenty two, I'm gonna replay all three games. That'll be my little project. I'd like to hear how um, that goes. I might. I. You know what? I will commit. I have access to them from my brother. I'll commit to playing the first two with you if you want to do that. Oh, commitment. Yeah. Uh, so. Maybe Let's three. talk about a couple things in Simple and Clean that I think are pretty pretty amazing. And I think it's a testament to like hiring a real musician to work on your game or movie or whatever instead of having it made in-house because you're going to get more interesting results. Simple and Clean opens with the chorus. Yeah, I know. Interesting, right? You know, yeah, and that's not something you're really like, quote-unquote, supposed to do. In songwriting, it's pretty rare you hear it. The Beach Boys did it sometimes. The Beatles do it in like "Can't Buy Me Love." You hardly ever hear it in like modern music. It's just kind of like a rule of songwriting. And then after that chorus that opens the song, there's like three seconds of silence, 
which is also like not something you're traditionally supposed to do. You know, when you hire a real musician, those are like interesting things you're going to get that you're not going to get if you just like tried to make the music in-house, which I think is something a lot of American games suffer from. There's a lot of video games I love when I was thinking about this episode that have very forgettable music. Most of the games I was thinking of that I love the music, there are like 90% of them are Japanese. Yeah. Because I think they just take it more seriously. Yeah. The music aspect. Those are all things that I remember noticing upon re-listening to it last night. Um, And there's also the kind of like talking part, you know, like it is a little bit of singing, but it's like, don't get me wrong, I love you, but does that mean I have... It's got a little bit of a rap, like hip hop uh, kind of influence to it, I think, as far as like rhythmically. Um, Did you listen to the Japanese version? I have heard it before. I did not listen to it last night. So it's uh, not as so fresh in my mind. I guess because they speak both languages, they were able to kind of like take some liberties with it. The melodies are different. They said because the syllables don't match up, they didn't even try to make a match up. So the chorus, like, when you walk away. Yeah. The Japanese version has a completely different melody there. Interesting. Because, yeah, it's really, they're like, Two pretty different songs, mm-hmm. um, which I just I thought was cool. Well, then that I then I can probably take back what I said earlier about the English lyrics not uh, translating to the same as the Japanese ones originally. So it sounds like she, um, they're completely accurate to what she intended for the message to be. Yeah, I, it's hard to talk about this song because. The song is connected so much to like memories in my life as opposed to specific like analysis of it. Like I I remember the like and there's the acoustic guitar and the like kind of blippy synths and stuff in there and like I don't, like I said earlier, like it just kind of melds into the world of that video game. Like she Did you notice- might or they might as well be a character in the game. They should have made uh, Utada a character. Like that would have been a cool cameo if they were like floating around in Traverse Town. Yeah, I mean, it would have been easy for that game too because they love doing all the purgatory like. I mean, that game got so fucking off the walls after the second one. Once the second one came out, like, none of it makes... That's the whole joke about it now, right? Like, it's impossible to follow the storyline because there's not really any storyline. Oh, yeah. It's not about that. Um, it's... I, I would argue if Kingdom Hearts had made better toys, I think Kingdom Hearts could have been kind of like Transformers and that, like... And I think it exists solely now in a, in a similar fashion where it's just like a merchandising, like you can't go to any, like anywhere I go. If I, if you go to a hot topic, any, like you're going to find a kingdom hearts themed thing anywhere you go now. Like it's just as known as like Naruto and dragon Ball Z. Like there are kids with those drawstring backpacks with like a kingdom hearts print on the back mm-hmm. of it, you know? And I think at its core, it is like a marketing, as I said earlier, it's a mark, it's genius marketing. Like, it, 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 and now this is a really silly thing to realize, but 
essentially it's marketed like a Disney movie because as kids, every Disney movie had a song and they still do that is like, there's yeah. like a hit song. So it makes sense that right. they being Utada were so involved in the process of like the music's, the music like propelling the um, success and like, er, like, you know, I really want to hear that song while I'm like slashing through these little like demon creatures, you know? Um, there's a lot of music like this around this time too. Did you ever play Sonic Adventure 2 Battle? Yeah, but let's uh, let's talk about that when we move to talking about. I was just gonna say to connect games. to it. There's a song at the end of that game that feels very similar, but it's like a hair metal song, and I feel like there are not any like games now like Kingdom Hearts and that game where the music is as important to the experience as the like. Like it's not just about the gameplay. Like the music heightens the experience, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but go ahead. Well, what I didn't realize was uh, that Utada is like a full-fledged pop star. Oh yeah, this is yeah definitely. According to Wikipedia, this is like their fourteenth most popular song. Yeah, I believe it. And then I looked on YouTube, and they have songs with like hundreds of millions of views which i didn't realize get this so in that's 2008 they won a guinness world record for the best-selling video game single in japan for uh hikari slash uh simple and clean and then and still that song's not even among your 10 most popular songs i had no idea yeah um so i would like to check out some of their other music maybe there's like a greatest hits album and they're only how thirty eight years old. So. Thirty eight. So they must have been what, like late teens, early twenties when that song came out. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. That's another thing. Like American games, like don't often. It's kind of a missed opportunity. Like even like Call of Duty or Destiny or fucking what else do people play? Like those big games, Halo. They they could market those games with like, you know, get like a popular rapper to make a song for the game. I know Run the Jewels did that with uh, that cyberpunk game. But like every game should do that. It's a great idea. Like why wouldn't you partner up with a relevant artist and have a song for the game? Check this out. That seems more of a Japanese thing again. On their official website, these 16 artists are specified as their favorite uh, so we can take okay. that to be influences. Freddie Mercury, Cocteau okay. Twins, Nine Inch Nails, Jimi Hendrix, Prince, Amel LaRue, Edith Piaf, Chick Corea, The Blue Nile, Bjork, Aquino Arai, Le- Lenny Kravitz, Bela Bartok, Mozart, Jeff Buckley, Utaka Osaki, <laughs> and Hibari Misora. Elsewhere, she has, are they also listed... Aaliyah, Mariah Carey, Mary J. Blige, The Cure, Madonna, Sting. That's a eclectic mix. Very, very cool. Uh, also, seems to have dealt with a lot of tragedy. Their mother committed suicide in 2013. Oh, wow. Yeah. I think a big thing, like maybe why she started in pop so early, is it sounds like, from what I was reading, her father was her manager and producer for a little while. So she got like producer credits, writing credits, but mm. her father and her husband at the time, or their husband, sorry, 
was really, really linked to them, to their, not their, I think they are solely successful their own, for their own success and like um, accolades and stuff like that. But I do think that when you start that young as a pop star in, at least in, in the like vein of that type of music, it's like you do kind of have a parent and guardian kind of like pushing yeah. you in that way. It'd be interesting to see if it'll be interesting to for both of us to dive into their music more because I never really did. I always kind of felt like I just liked the Kingdom Hearts music and I didn't feel like I needed to. But as as I've gotten older and my musical my music tastes have expanded, it would be cool to see what else they've done outside of the Kingdom Hearts music. I think I would like it because there's something about Japanese pop music. I don't mean like J-pop, not like the girl groups, but like. Just like the Japanese style of pop songwriting, there's like more key changes, there's more interesting chords, you know, just a lot of Japanese pop songs really strike a chord with me, so I'm sure I would like it. Um, anything else we didn't touch about- on? I, I can't think of anything else. I, kinda, I wanted to touch on like my kind of like emotional connection with it, uh, but... This song is definitely influential. I don't think that there's anyone our age that has not heard this song. Unless they, you know, we're, we're privileged, obviously, so we grew up with video games if you didn't have Kingdom Hearts. But I feel like you probably had a friend who had the game that you got to play. That's actually what happened to yeah. me. So I don't remember. So I was, so our, our friend, Matthew Restrepo, he got Kingdom Hearts like the day it came out. And he got a PS2 like the same day. And I remember being like, come over to my house, bring your PlayStation, which was kind of a big deal back then because consoles weren't like, they're not small now, but I feel like it's more of a thing to like, they, they've become more like mainstream. So it's like there's all these kinds of way to like make them portable, especially the Switch. So back then I think it was kind of weird for a kid to like take their, I don't know, I could be wrong, but I remember feeling like, Maybe it was just like my parents kind of like being like, don't ask for things from people. Like you need to be polite. You shouldn't ask. And um, I was like, I was just like, you need to bring the PlayStation 2 and Kingdom Hearts and we'll play it. And I remember vividly where I was, all the lights were off in the room and me or Matthew and I were like glued to the front of this TV until probably like six in the morning. And part of me really wanted him to leave it with me. And I don't even know how I probably yeah. had the gumption to, ask. I probably asked like, can you just leave it here or can you come back? And, <laughs> um, the Christmas after that, I think it was like two months later, I got it for Christmas and I was like psyched and I was hyped because in the same way, like when I, um, was in Louisville recently to surprise a friend for their birthday, they had bloodborne and I, they had to work sometimes, so I would put Bloodborne on for a couple hours while they were working to kill some time, and I fucking I fell in love with it. So same thing happened with Kingdom Hearts. Like I played through the first level with Matthew, and then when I got my own copy, I like blew through the game and I knew how to play it. So it was it was a lot of fun. It's a great game. It's a great song. I'm really glad we talked got to talk about it here because like. For whatever reason, I don't take I don't think of video game music as seriously as other music. But why not? Like, why isn't this song as important as a Nick Cave song? 
Should be. Yeah, I I think there's a good argument in there for that. Like, why this is this is something that's both that's so important to us as a musical experience, and it also happens to be like a multimedia experience where it's like you kind of live inside the feeling that this song creates, you know. And did ha- did Haley know the song? Did you ask her? She probably knows it, but I she didn't grow up playing video games, and she's never been like a gamer person, so she doesn't have any connection well, to it. But she knows about. I imagine she knows about Kingdom Hearts because um, I've probably talked about it, or she. I mean, she's into Disney stuff, so she has to have at least seen pictures of it or videos of it. Yeah, Courtney never played this game, but knew this song pretty well. So I was just curious. Yeah, I don't know. This feels like something like that would said, show up on just... like a middle school mixtape or something, you know. This yeah, probably I mean, this song just made it into pop culture past the game. I mean, this song had to be fodder for like uh, Christian like church lock-ins where they would like play music yeah, in the gym. Uh, yeah, so, you, yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Like this had to have been playing at like school dances and shit. People were probably gar- grinding to this song, so definitely definitely like Oh my god. Yeah. You're you're very right. So I'm going to transition into the next part of the episode where we're going to talk about some of our uh, favorite or, uh, video game music. I have a list here of games specifically that popped up in my mind uh, for Christmas and then just some other ones that have really good soundtracks. Uh, this isn't like, this is non-exhaustive, so there's probably more that'll come to me as we talk. But one thing that I did not know that I felt like was important and I think will be a nice capstone to our um, Kingdom Hearts Utada Hikaru discussion is that the composer for Kingdom Hearts is a woman. And their name is, uh, if I can get my computer to load here, uh, Yoko did, Shimomura. Uh, well, oh, you got it. Um, and she has done the music for I think every entry in the Kingdom Hearts series. So I thought that was really neat. And uh, she's a very accomplished composer and pianist. Incredible. Yeah. On top of like the the songs made for the game. I, I was even reading, like I didn't know this, like in Kingdom Hearts 2, some of the songs in the like towns, mm-hmm. like in, what is it, Twilight Town? Yeah. She took like melodies from Mickey Mouse fan club, or she took melodies from old Disney things and weaved them into their original score, mm-hmm. like stuff you wouldn't even know unless you were like an obsessive fan, like all these old Disney Easter eggs. Yeah, in- so cool. Interestingly enough, she I found she worked on some games that I really enjoyed playing throughout my life. Um, she worked on the music for Super Mario RPG. Um, Xenoblade Chronicles, Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga, which is an excellent, excellent Game Boy Advance game. If you can find that on a emulator, I highly recommend that. The music is great. The gameplay is even better. And a lot of the Kingdom Hearts stuff that she did has a lot of like live scoring with like an actual orchestra that I also highly recommend you checking out. And as someone who's never been but has always wanted to go to like those video game jams where they have like a full orchestra play through video game music. This is definitely like reminding me that I really need to like go to one of those before I pass. Like that's one thing I really want to see live is like music like this. Yeah. Just an incredible soundtrack. The original songs and the, you know, their versions of the Disney stuff. It's 
top tier. Looks like she's worked on a lot of the Super Mario or the Mario and Luigi um, role playing games by the Alpha Dream Company, which is like the Mario and Luigi Dream Team and Mario Luigi uh, Bowser's Inside Story. So those are all really good games. Um, anywho, Ian, I have a couple of like good ones locked and loaded, but because I wanted to, I wanted you to start it off and like what what do you want to start with for like some video game music that you enjoyed either during like a Christmas video game or something like that so I guess the number one for me other than Kingdom Hearts would be every year at Christmas time I would say from I don't know in these fourth maybe let's say fourth grade to like ninth or tenth grade I would get the new Tony Hawk game. Hell yeah! Every year, they usually came out in like October or November, and then I would get the game for Christmas. Like I got the first one right when it came out Yo. every year until Project Eight. That was the last one I got. That game wasn't very good. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- those soundtracks, like the same as Kingdom Hearts, I can't overstate how formative they were for me. Like how many. Bands that I love today, I found out through Tony Hawk. I mean, that's that's my education on punk music, and then later hip hop mm-hmm. too. Even, um, you know, what the first one had suicidal tendencies and Dead Kennedys and Lagwagon on the second one, Bad Religion. It was Goldfinger like was on the first one too, I think. Of, hey, Goldfinger, you know, not so great. Primus, not so great. But you know, Primus. it was just like a who's who on on punk music. That that's how I you know learned what bands I want to go to Fye and buy CDs of. Not to mention, if you were like me and non and not coordinated, that you could bomb yes. I could bowls and half pipes and shit like and do insane shit that's not, that probably like actual skaters could never do. While you're like you turn the tube TV speakers up to like a hundred. Your parents aren't home. You're there with your buddies and you're just like shredding bowls and like... You're grinding and grinding. Yeah, exactly. Uh, great choice. Um, a big one... And secret taping. Oh, secret taping. Don't even get me started. Uh, p- playing a little skate. A little S-K-A-T-E. Um, S-K-A-T-E. A little graffiti. Uh, shout out to my sisters who would always get mad because I was a lot better than them at Tony Hawk, and then they wouldn't play with me because I kept shout out. Graffiti. Shout out to me who would get mad at you when you'd beat me at Doctor Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine. Or Madden. Fuck Madden. Uh, so there's a couple of characters, specifically Nintendo characters, that stick out to me for Christmas, and one of the there there are two huge games that I can I cannot. They're always associated with Christmas. The first one is Donkey Kong 64, which is a game that came out near the end of the, 60, the Nintendo 64's cycle before they, tra- they were ramping up for their next console generation. And I think at the time, it was really well received by critics. But as time has passed, there are, is a lot of hate for the game online, understandably so. But... The soundtrack in that game is incredible. And the composer's name is Grant Kirkhope. And he composed music 
almost exclusively for Rare for a long time. And there's another game on my list that I'll mention later that isn't quite a Christmassy game, but it has some elements that I that I also associate it as like a Christmassy type of game. Um, Donkey Kong 64 was a plat- 3D platformer, beautiful game at the time, and you got to play as Donkey Kong in like a free roaming video game, and you got to unlock all these other Kongs, and arguably one of the best rap songs ever, the DK rap, comes from that game. So uh, that's a big favorite of mine, and DK, Donkey Kong, DK, Donkey Kong is here. He's finally back to kick some tail. It's great. Um, I wish I could just go in depth about that game because like those rare games in particular are frightening. And I feel like that game was really frightening and it was also very glitchy. And a lot of like, there's a lot of creepiness in those rare games. Like, not to mention the main baddie in that game is this like super demented looking like fat crocodile character, uh, King K. Rule, which is he's one of the best big bads in a video game. Somewhere in my vault, I wrote a non-sanctioned biopic about his upbringing that might come to light one day if Nintendo ever wants me to write a movie. And the other game that I remember vividly getting when I was, I think, nine or ten, Majora's Mask which is the sequel to The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Majora's Mask is a big departure, was a big departure from the franchise's formula up to that point because it was based around a clock and you had three days to complete the game in game time uh, or the moon would crash into the earth and your game would restart. Uh, The music is beautiful. It's a deeply, deeply emotional game if you let it sink into you. Um, and overall it's like a, it's just a, like a hazy fever dream of a video game and also deeply terrifying as a nine or 10 year old. It was also the year that I got my trunks Dragon Ball Z action figure that unfortunately I no longer have, but I will cherish to this day. I haven't played a lot of those games because I didn't really have a Nintendo system. You were a Sony kid. I never had. You've always been a Sony kid. Yeah, Sega, Sega and Sony, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Never had an Xbox, never had a... I had Super Nintendo, but not in 64 or GameCube. And this, this name is pretty well known, but Koji Kondo worked on a large majority of the Legend of Zelda scores, as well as a I believe he did the music for Mario Super Mario 64, which is another one I have on my list. So what about you? You got anything else? I could go forever. I've got so many the- games on this list. <laughs> The only I, I tried to limit mine. Um, the only other one I have that specifically reminds me of Christmas. Uh, it's funny because I don't play these games anymore. But when I was a kid, I played sports games like more than anything mm-hmm. else. So, you know, NBA Two K games or NBA Madden Street. or yeah, and that. So those are what I wanted to specifically bring up. What I always liked about sports games, I don't know what they're like anymore. I haven't played one in 10 plus years. Not since we had our apartment together have I played Madden. Um, Who cares? Yeah, I just don't really care anymore for whatever reason. But what's cool is those games cater the soundtrack to 
the type of people who follow the sport stereotypically. So the FIFA games will have a lot of British music and a lot of like world music. The NHL games, the hockey ones, have a lot of punk music. Uh, basketball's a lot of hip hop. Baseball's a lot of whatever old people listen to, like fucking classic rock. <laughs> yeah. NFL's kind of just like everything. MLB the jam. So, but what Jake said, the street games, NBA street and NFL street. <laughs> they so really good. like. I didn't like hip hop when I was a kid, and those games kind of showed me the type of hip hop I would gravitate towards once I started liking the genre. I can't remember who. I remember Killer Mike had a song on there, and like Nas and Beastie Boys, and those games were so cool because it just felt like being out, you were outside in New York City and someone just had a boombox and was playing classic hip hop. Uh, I think like The Far Side was on there. Yep. You know, just like. Classic New York City, L.A. hip hop. So fun. Mm -hmm. So much better soundtrack than like your Madden or your typical NBA game. Also, I, I, I remember those soundtracks very fondly. There's never been a video game before or since NBA NBA Street Volume Two, where there was there's a level in that game that is just like aesthetically so pleasing. And it's the first level. It's the one you always default to. It's a rooftop basketball court inside mm. of like a cage. So the ball doesn't fall anywhere. Yeah. And to me as a kid, that with the music was just... And I played this game up until my mid-20s. Like friends would have their game cubes and shit. I fucking love that game. And I wish I could... Like, that's one game I wish I had like... On standby, whenever I ha if I if I was having friends over, I'm not right now, but that's such a good fucking game. Yeah, they were really. Uh, I, I didn't necessarily get into those artists through the game, but like now when I think of what I like, and it planted some seeds. A though. lot of it was probably, yeah, planted some seeds. That's that's what I was trying to say. I'm looking up the soundtrack uh, right now while you're talking, so we can. I'll, I'll see if there's any other songs we might have forgot to bring up. Yeah, I didn't look up the specific soundtrack. Um, but yeah, that's the last Christmassy one for me. I just I think of being on Christmas break and playing sports games a lot. Mm -hmm. And so after that, I just have some general games that I think particularly have great music. Also, they did a real like stylistically, these games were really cool. Um, okay, so check out this. This is a great soundtrack. So they got the one I was singing earlier. Uh, they reminisce over you. T-R-O-Y by Pete Rock and C.L. Smooth. Fucking classic. The Choice is Yours, revisited by Black Sheep. Ride With Me, MC Light. Rock the Party by Benzino. Live on the Stage Remix. remix. Dilated Peoples featuring Talb Quali. Got React, Eric Sermon with Redman. Get Up, Nate Dogg featuring Eve. Not In My House by Nelly. And then Chief Rocka by Lords of the Underground. Like... Incredible. And which game is this? This is NBA Street Volume 2. NBA Street 2. Mm -hmm. Okay. The Village Voice gave the PlayStation 2 version 8 out of 10, saying the up to four player game itself is hot to death. <laughs> hot to death. That's a very like. Okay, Jake, PS2 so, so what else do you got? 
Well, uh, I alluded to it earlier. Um, this game actually came out, I think, in like May or April of 1997. But um, it's not quite Christmassy, but there's a level in it that is Christmas-themed. And the game is Banjo-Kazooie, and it's another rare game. Ah. And same composer, Grant Kirkhope. And it was actually in our apartment when I was 19 that I finally beat that game. It was one. It's I, I still... I still stand that it's one of the harder video games that I've ever completed uh, because you have to be really good about collecting things in those games. And if you miss like one or two things, sometimes you, it like, that kind of shit would ten- send me into a tailspin as a kid. And I would just like play it, mm-hmm. give up, because I was like, oh, I missed one fucking little musical note. But um, there's nothing else like it. It, it like, it took all the shit platformers were doing at the time and made it into this like really cohesive, like immersive experience where like the hub world, like everything was connected and, you know, each level had this feeling and it just had so much charm, but the music really stood out and it's very like, it's very kind of cartoonish, but they would, as you went from room to room, they would have different versions of the same song and the sound editing was really good. And it was basically really silly concept, a bear and a bird, Banjo-Kazooie, and their friend Bottles the Mole and their sister uh, Tootie (laughs) um, are hanging out. And then Gruntilda the Witch shows up and she wants to get her youth back. So they kidnap Tootie and you're supposed to save Tootie from Gruntilda so she doesn't get uh, killed in order to make Gruntilda look hot. That's like, and there's the game has all these like, it's ex, like the writing is excellent. Like it's good for adults and kids. The sequel, Banjo Tooie, I think feels more Christmassy to me because I remember in another moment where. Matthew Restrepo and I like experienced like this really insane game. Um, we rented it and then we took it over to his parents' house. And I remember I stayed up all night and I had to go play basketball the next day. On uh, like my mom picked me up at like eight a.m. I was probably falling asleep at like five a.m. And that game was even creepier, weirder. The, it was balls to the wall, like magical, magical game and. Yeah, the last like Christmas adjacent stuff I want to bring up is Pokemon Red and Blue. I remember being at my uncle's house when I was like six years old and Pokemon was not a thing in America at least. And I opened up a present from my grandma and... And he got it imported from Japan? Well, it <laughs> no, uh, that's funny. Uh, no, it's it's that's... I think that it was gaining popularity at that time. And I remember opening the gift and I got this game with like a weird looking like dinosaur turtle and then like a dragon. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, you got both. And that, and we got two game boys. My brother and I each got oh, a game boy. Jeff. Okay. And I still love Pokemon to this day, but I don't really play any of the new games. Um, but that music is really ubiquitous too because it's like mm-hmm. 
and then you had like Pokemon Stadium down the road that let you import your your Pokemon from the cartridges onto the console, which was mind blowing as a kid. Um, and then finally, this game in particular makes me think about Christmas because I, I think it's the last kind of significant Christmas memory I have is like a like an actual kid. I was fifteen. It was Christmas Eve, and I was. I had been obsessively playing Final Fantasy VIII. And Final Fantasy VIII is not a fan favorite. It was the first Final Fantasy, second Final Fantasy game I ever completed right after Final Fantasy Tactics. I love Final Fantasy VIII. Now, I don't remember anything about the story because it's very convoluted, but I remember how good the game feels, how good the music is. I remember staying up late Christmas Eve, anxious to open presents the next day, and... I either got close to or finished that game before I went to bed and then I woke up and we did Christmas. And if you are not familiar with Nabua Uematsu, he is the composer for almost all of the Final Fantasy games. He's probably missed a couple of them. Uh, check out his work. His music stands alone. The Final Fantasy VII soundtrack especially is iconic. Final Fantasy VI push the limits for what you could do on the Super Nintendo's music uh, cartridge. Uh, this guy's innovative. And he made, he, like, I, I hear his music in my sleep. And at this point, if you've made it this far in the episode, you're probably like, what's Christmassy about these games? And nothing really. But I think what we wanted to capture with this episode is an emotion and a feeling. And all of these games that we've talked about earlier in the episode when we talked about Utada Hikaru and their impact on us through Kingdom Hearts, um, we love video games. I don't want to speak for Ian, but we learned how to connect with people through these. These, were, these are big things for us, regardless of how cringy that might be to people who aren't video game people or how people might not understand because they didn't grow up with games. And we were lucky to have done that. And it's inescapable. It's a part of me. And I hope that if you've heard anything in this episode and you're like, oh, that's interesting. I want to check out this game or maybe I'll pick this up for myself or my kid, like do it. Like these are magical, wonderful experiences. And whether you're 70 or, you know, five, I think... You'll find something in these recommendations that you'll enjoy, even if it's just going onto YouTube and looking up Grant Grant Kirkhope. Like he has some phenomenal music that you might like for your D and D night, or you know, just some background music while you're working. You know. So I think Kingdom Hearts is number one for me, but you gotta Mario's got to go up there. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, there's always a new Mario game Iconic. every holiday, right? Luigi's Mansion was the only one I hadn't mentioned on my list yet, which is always has great music. Yeah. I also have a big soft spot for Tetris and the like 8-bit versions of classical songs. Boo. I think it's really cool. And Boo. I don't know. I feel like people should talk about it more. It's the Tetris music, I think, is so cool. Oh, like, yeah. Tetris music's iconic. With the limitations. Tetris music is iconic. Like how you're talking about the limitations of an 8-bit system. Like, okay, we'll take fucking hundreds of year old, old classical songs and make them 8-bit and make them sound new. Uh, Undertale. Oh, 
one of the best soundtracks. Still haven't ever. played it. The soundtrack kind of lives. The soundtrack kind of lives beyond the video game. I feel like people like the soundtrack. They don't even play the game. It's crazy. One person, Toby Fox, made it, and again, uh, is very eight bit sounding and manages to sound unique. A lot of eight bit music sounds the same, mm-hmm. and this has a very unique feel. It's um, it's interesting to see how chip tune sh- has become w- like less of a novelty and more of like a form of like appreciated critical music. And I feel like Undertale's soundtrack and even games like Earthbound, yeah, like, that were of that time, yeah, um, that music is being more appreciated by critics and stuff. Like the Donkey Kong Country games by that were scored by David Wise, I think, are like genuine. I think they're genuinely passed around and like musical critical music circles now and those are great soundtracks too uh there's this sort of like future punk japanese vibe of music that i really like the jet grind radio oh, wow. and splatoon wow. both had um that's some of my favorites or jet set radio you know any of the that music's so good and i think splatoon carries on that torch we still never played splatoon um you mentioned Sonic Adventure 2. I think that's the best Sonic soundtrack. It's it's so cheesy and like over the top, but it know it knows mm-hmm. it. And it's just fully diving in. There's like the the spooky knuckles rap and the Rouge jazz song. That's a fucking good game. I stand so by that game. I, I think that's an amazing game. I, I, I think all of the quirky like treasure hunting and mech combat with Tails and Dr. Robotnik, like all of it is probably not that fun now, but back then I I loved all of it and I was really good at it. I got I would like speed run that game. It's a great game. And then the I think the last one I wanted to bring up, I haven't played this game that much yet, but I can already tell is Persona Five. Hmm. Just the the vibe of that, like good music. It's sort of like jazzy uh, meets electronic it's just got this this very unique vibe meets like anime music it's just this like coagulation of a bunch of things and it it just works it's so cool yeah the menu music is and the like downtime music where you're doing like the slice of life like just living Mm -hmm. your character's life in the game that stuff that music's really good um that's an interesting choice. I didn't expect you to say that, considering you've never been until recently as into like JRPG stuff. There's one that I wanted to ask you about, Jake. I, I just looked up a couple of like best video game music ever lists, yeah, just to see if I was missing anything obvious to me. And there was this game that kept popping up like in the top three of all these yeah, lists. Yeah, I'm listening. And it's a game called Near Automata. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'm familiar with Nier. Do you... It's a Square Enix game. Mm-hmm. Have you ever played it? Uh, I've always wanted to. I think it's similar gameplay I think I might buy to... it. It's really cheap now. And people say it's like a forgotten masterpiece. Yeah, it's very like Japanese for sure. Um, but I, it's on my list of games to play like for the place... Now that I have a PlayStation 4. Um, I, I want to play that, Persona 5... So if you get it, let me know how it is. I, it kept uh, it was like on the top five of like every list as far as video game music, and I never even oh, heard cool. of it. 
Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, listeners. I don't mean to yawn. Ian's just kind of boring. Um, just kidding, Ian. I was selling some artwork to a friend, uh, Cassie, in Louisville, and her uh, boyfriend or partner at the time uh, was playing near on TV, and I hung out for a second and watched him. Uh, really cool-looking game. Pretty much my aesthetic. I, As much as I don't want to act like I'm into, like, Jap... A weeaboo? I don't know if that's like a, an appropriate thing to say. Is 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 that considered problematic or offensive? Oh, if it is, I apologize. It's just something well, I, I, I was to gonna make it I was gonna it. say weeb, but I'm like, I'm worried that I don't know. I, I've always kind of felt like it was weird to say so, but that's the sentiment I'm getting across. Is like I'm always I've always been into weeby stuff. Like I like I read manga and I like JRPGs and like. Japanese like anime and stuff doesn't really hit for me as much as I would like it to, but I do really like that aesthetic and you know I love Akira and all that stuff. So honestly, Japanese culture is so like like American now that not that it's become more American. I just mean like American people like Japanese culture more than ever. Like there's so many people like Haley listens to this podcast called What We Said and. It's just these two women what we from said. I think they're in Los Angeles or something and they just talk about like lifestyle stuff. You know, like they do like funny dating stories or dating horror stories or you know, they talk about like life hacks and stuff like that. I, and th- their their podcast is really good. But one of them who you wouldn't expect uh, cuz they're like it's just cuz it's probably probably some like sexism or something on my part that I haven't worked through but like they were talking about Attack on Titan and I was like, whoa, I would not have expected like a podcast. Like I know it's shitty to say this, but it's like, I know there's a lot of women that are into anime, but I always feel like nerdy shit is like not something that women are into. So I've always kind of like kept it to myself as like my own interest that I talk to like with my friends who are into that stuff, but I don't like bring it up to a lot of people. So I'm always surprised. And again, probably my own judgment and like maybe some like, subconscious like sexism that I'm not that I need to address but I remember being like whoa like if somebody who's like not really into anime is like into like Naruto and fucking like there's so many people getting into that shit now like people love the Attack on Titan and One Piece so it's becoming a big thing let me uh let me interject you I have a funny story about that I was thinking about this not too long ago a couple weeks got? ago when I was in middle school I had to for whatever reason, the bus didn't come close to my house. I had to walk a couple blocks to catch the bus. Mm-hmm. What and you said? Where I would catch the bus, there were these two high school girls who would, uh, who were at the bus stop with me, and I was in like sixth grade. So, I would get on the bus with them, and then I'd usually just kind of like half fall asleep on the bus ride. Yeah. You know where you're like on the bus, kind of asleep, but you can hear everyone talking. And these two girls every day. Would talk about Inuyasha. oh my god you do you remember Inuyasha? did you ever meet sarah sissel she was obsessed with Inuyasha in middle school sarah you knew her because she she was friends with that girl aaron that you were friends with oh did she go to our middle school yeah. i met her you know in college yeah yeah yeah. i didn't know she went to yeah. TMS. no she didn't go to no. tms I, but I didn't meet her that's how that. you met her is you met her through aaron but continue i got you i interrupted you um 
so yeah, they would just talk about Inuyasha every day, and it sounded like the coolest show. And I thought they were so cool, but I was like <laughs> sixth grade, yeah. awkward, and I never talked to them once the whole year. But I always just was like, man, these girls are so. But you cool. got up the gumption one day, and you're like, you were like, did you watch the new Inuyasha? Talking about anime. You're like, did you watch the new Inuyasha? And they're like, what? They'd also talk about Sailor Moon a lot, and I was yeah. like. Oh, Sailor Moon. Uh, so cool. Girls like are, are women our age now. There's a lot, there's a huge like men and women lo- fucking love Sailor Moon. I never got into Sailor Moon, um, not for lack of trying. I did watch it, but it never clicked for me. I like Tetsu Muyo though. Yeah, I've never never got into any of that stuff, but I, I think it. I've said this to you often. Like I love when people tell me about anime sh- or yeah anime shows, but. I rarely ever watch mm-hmm. them, but I will listen to you talk about Sailor Moon or Dragon Ball all day. Well, in another episode or time, I'll tell you about this manga, Flowers of Evil, I just finished. It's one of the weirdest things I've ever read. Uh, weirdest mangas I've ever read. All right, Jake, I think we should get out of here and uh, stop taking up everyone's time. This has been another long one. but I uh, hope I hope that you listeners little... liked this. We were looking forward to doing this, and I had a lot of fun kind of reminiscing um as i said earlier you know this was very free form i definitely rambled a lot but if y'all are still here you're used to me doing that uh ian thanks for sharing with me and like let and indulging me because you know how much i this stuff means to me and i know how much it means to you so i'm glad we got to share this with the listeners yeah i thought this was a fun way to do uh, a Christmassy episode without necessarily just talking about christmas music uh because, you know, we, we play a lot of video games in the winter because you're cooped up inside. So um, coming up, I guess next week will be our Jubies yep. episode. The Jubies so are coming up. Get, get ready for that. We're going to talk about our favorite music of the year. It's the biggest uh, It's the biggest. We got a cease and desist from the Grammy, so you know it's going to be big. They told us people... To- Award season. They were this like, year. too many people so, care about the Jubies. Uh, like, you guys got to, you got to stop. You, you can't do Jubies this year. So we're rebelling, and we're saying, "Fuck you, Grammys. We're we're coming at you. We're doing it anyway." So everyone, um, go out this week and rent your formal wear, your nice dresses, your tuxedos. Mm-hmm. You know, we want everyone to dress their best for the Jubies. This is a, you know. This isn't a casual event. Let's it's just say definitely that. This not. is a thousand dollar plate dinner. Yeah. This is, you know, pinky out, champagne flutes, fucking all the finest scrapes and cheeses. It's going to be a night to remember. All I'm saying is wear your harnesses and your, your crotchless underwear underneath your suit because we're going to be fucking after this episode because mm-hmm. we're, we're fucking the game up, okay? We're going to be fucking your ear holes. Yeah, the night after the Jubies is going to be a night to a night remember. to remember, and then after that, we're back to our normal, our normal yes. schedule. So, uh, this will be the last episode before Christmas, Jake. So, I don't know if you want to call Santa back in or if you got his number, so we can wish everyone a merry Christmas. Uh, he texted me, uh, what I'm now calling a Roman Roy. So I don't want to. Uh-huh. Oh, oh God! Yeah, he he oh. he sent me his jingle bell, well, and I'll say it looks more like a bell than a jingle. I'll say. Well, I guess we'll have to survive. I'm saying Santa uh, has a wide cock. Okay, he has Santa. a wide cock. It's wide. It. I don't know. I feel bad for Miss Claus, but maybe she has a wide vagina. I don't know. Sorry, Miss Claus. I know you're a regular listener. 
sorry to the elves because I know you don't like us talking about Mrs. Claus, who you sometimes refer to as your mom. Sorry to Rudolph, who is also a big listener. I know you don't like us talking about the elves because they uh, don't invite you to the Christmas party because you always ruin ah. a nasty Christmas because you your your nose tells you what the best gift is. So, you know, it's just it's hard to be in the North Pole. There's a great part on the new Hawkeye this week where Florence Pugh was talking about Rudolph and she's like, that weird reindeer with superpowers. He's so weird. It's very funny in her little Russian accent. Yep, sounds like Marvel humor. Marvel Disney humor. Sounds really funny. Can't love Florence Pugh. Love Christmas. Merry Christmas, everyone. More like Florence Pugh. And a happy new year. We will see you very soon. Just kidding, I like Florence Pugh. Bye, everybody. Happy holidays. Merry Crimbo. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy any holiday. If you don't celebrate, enjoy the day off. Enjoy the weekend off. We love you. Jubilee Street forever. Blue the Intern Dog forever. Ian McCurtis in his spaceship forever.